Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. It's cold outside, but it was warming up in here. Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, you look kind of like the frozen chosen. But anyway, because it is a holiday weekend and it snowed and have ice, then you're going to have to make up for the person who's not here to help me preach this morning. So we've already had a great, great service this morning. Um, we, we've been praying about the, the first Sunday of uh, 20. 22, someone said, uh, until I hit uh, accept, I want to know the terms and the conditions of the new year. Uh, you know, we've had two years. It's been kind of weird, haven't we? we we've had uh, the coronavirus, and then we've had the Delta version, and then the uh, next version, and you wonder what's next. But it doesn't really make any difference what comes next because God's in control. So I, I'm a believer and not a doubter. Can I hear an Amen. So I want to read a passage that's very, very familiar, but how many of you believe we can get new things out of old things? So this is 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4, then drop down to verse 20. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Verse 20, so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our gathering today. Let your word come alive in our ears and in our hearts, and we thank you for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Well, you're familiar with the story, an age-old story, the story of David and Goliath, but as I begin to think how we start the new year, I really thought that God directed me by the Holy Spirit to talk to you about this area of champion. The Hebrew word here is the word gabor. Say that with me, gabor. Now you can tell everybody you left and you spoke in tongues at church today. So it's a Hebrew word that means someone who is strong and mighty and brave. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't think I'm strong and mighty and brave. And sometimes you probably don't think you're strong and mighty and brave. But I've found out sometimes the people who think they are aren't, and the people who think they aren't are. So it depends on the situation. But what's unique about the passage is this is the only time this word is ever translated in my Bible as the word champion. No other time is this word champion ever given to us in this context except with a pagan giant by the name of Goliath. 
And I thought about that, and I thought, well, why is that? And I think I found the answer because we are familiar with this term of champion. And really, it came about in the last century. We don't have a lot of uh, references to, quote, champion. Uh, back in 1919, the, the new heavyweight champion of the world is a guy by the name of Jack Dempsey. So you have to be a little bit of a history buff to know about that. Uh, Jack Dempsey was really kind of an unlikely champion. He, he fought a guy by the name of Jess Willard, who was called the Potawatomi Giant. He was 6'6 and weighed 245 pounds. Now, Jack Dempsey is only 6'1 and weighs 185 pounds, so everybody thought Dempsey had no chance of being the heavyweight champion. But when Jack Dempsey walked into the ring, he knocked Jess Willard down seven times in the first round and had the title of heavyweight champion. So th this kind of began in the early 1900s, 1919, and he was the champion until 1926. Uh, Jack Dempsey was the first person who had a million-dollar gate, people coming to watch him fight. He was the first person who ever had a two-million-dollar gate of any type of entertainment or sports event uh, to come and watch him fight. In 1923, he appeared on the cover of Time magazine, and uh, he, he was very popular. Uh, in 1926, he fought a guy by the name of Gene Tunney. And he lost that fight, but uh, th this, was the, this was the conditions of the fight. It was the first time, and, and you know this, that when someone was knocked down and the count began, you had to go to a neutral corner. How, how many of you know the, the rules now? It's the first time in a heavyweight fight those rules were uh, imposed, and because Jack Dempsey didn't really understand to go to a neutral corner, uh, the count was delayed for Tunney, and if it had started on time, Jack Dempsey would have still been the heavyweight champion of the world. But this is a quote by Jack Dempsey. He said, a champion is someone who gets up when they can't, and sometimes you get knocked down and you think you can't get up, but you get up anyway, and I thought that's a great quote. Uh, when, he got, <laughs> when he got defeated by uh, Gene Tunney, his wife came to him and said, said, honey, what happened? He said, baby, I forgot to duck. And I don't know if you remember this, but when John Hinckley shot President Ronald Reagan and when Nancy came to check on her husband, this is what Ronald Reagan said to Nancy, honey, I forgot to duck. So that, that phrase came around a few, few years later. So when I look at you know, this, this term champion, uh, someone related that every champion was a contender who just refused to give up. So you just keep swinging, you keep going. And Goliath in this passage is called the champion. Uh, somewhere between nine and a half and ten feet tall. How many of you know that's a big dude? So just think with me in your mind, he's about 280 to 400 pounds. The iron spearhead that he carried, just the head of the spear, weighed over 15 pounds that he threw. Uh, the, the coat of mail that he had under the armor was 125 pounds, and then he has a breastplate and a helmet and, and all the uh, amenities of, of war and battle, the, the, the javelin and the sword. So this is how he shows up, and he's called the champion. So today, he would be the number one pick in the NBA draft. He would be the number one pick in the NFL draft. So if your head is 
at the gold rim line at 10 feet, you don't have to dunk, you just have to put it in, right? And, and if you're on the front line of, of the defense or offense, it would be hard for three people to block you as you go to the quarterback. So that gives us a little insight of who he is. All the smart money in Vegas would be on Goliath. Not David. But David is never called a champion. But Goliath is called the champion, the man, the man of war, the Philistine, the uncircumcised. And in contrast, David is never known as the champion. He is known as the son. He is known as the brother. He's known as the youth, but never called the champion. And uh, there's no indication David even believed he was a hero or champion in this passage. And neither did anybody else believe he was. His brothers didn't think he was. And Saul didn't think he was. Goliath didn't think he was. And I don't think David even thought that this is who I am. But he began to exhibit some of the true characteristics of a real champion. And beyond a champion. So I thought as we go into 2022, could we really look at this and really ascribe some of these qualities to our own life? Because how many of you want to get through this next year on a very higher level? A higher plane. I mean, even as a church here today, we want to see things and experience things in a higher capacity than we ever have in our life. And let me tell you why. For me, uh, time's ticking. Everybody has an expiration date. God has numbered your days. I don't know what that is. I look at your bottom of your feet. I don't see a, a, a date there, but I know your days are numbered. So what do we need to do? We need to look at the new year. Uh, you know, I haven't seen you since last year. So the new year is going to have new opportunities, new goals, new vision, and things we can achieve through Almighty God. And for some of you, it's going to be a new chapter for you. It's new decisions for you. So today, I think some of you have already made those decisions. I'm going to move on. So what are the qualities? What are the characteristics? Here's number one. Champions refuse to sit on the sideline. Champions refuse to sit on the sideline. There are times you just can't watch. You have to get involved. I can't watch this anymore. And we live in a culture in the world today that we watch, we don't like, and sometimes we complain and we gripe and, and we see the problem and we point out the problem, we criticize the problem, or I can say, I'm going to get off the sideline, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to engage, I'm going to invest myself in the solution my talent can't sit on the sideline anymore. My treasure can't sit on the sideline anymore. My gift can't sit on the sideline anymore. I've got to get involved in this. And that's David. David heard Goliath. You know the story. Goliath would come out, what, about 40 days? And he said, we, we don't have to fight army to army. Just send me your champion. I'm the champion of the Philistines. And good Lord, he was. Almost 10 feet tall, maybe 400 pounds. I mean, he's a formidable foe. And, and he comes out every day and morning and every evening. He says, send me a man. Send me, send me your challenger. Send me your champion. Nobody comes. And it happens over and over. But that day, David, who's not old enough to be in the army, a teenager, the Bible said he's ruddy, beautiful, good-looking. How many of you know he's just a kid? But something happened in David's heart when he heard Goliath. And the last line I read to you in the passage, it said, and David heard him. Yeah. David heard him. 
And then David, something happened in him, and he says, I can't be on the sideline anymore. I've got to get involved in this fight. If nobody else is going to get involved, I'm going to get involved. So for those of us sitting here, for those who are watching online, you can't sit on the sideline anymore. We live in a culture and a world that we must get engaged and get involved. And that's for all of us. And I realize that sometimes that's difficult. I love the story I heard many years ago about the perfect baseball player. He never made a mistake, never had an error, always threw strikes. He, he never struck out, always got a hit. But the problem was we couldn't get him to lay his hot dog down long enough to get out of the stands to play the game. I mean, you know, people who are not involved, people who are on the sideline can criticize the players, criticize the workers, criticize who are involved and say, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. Uh, but how many of you know, you've got to get out of the stands and you've got to get involved in the game. And it looks different from the game. When you're 30 rows up in the bleachers, you can have all kind of insight, but when you're on the field... It looks a lot different. Can I hear amen to that? So uh, the first thing that we see of David, I mean, he refused to sit on the sideline. The second thing is that champions are stirred by great causes. Passion is aroused. That, that motivation becomes a reality. The core values of a person now is driving the champion. Character, integrity. They are applied to great causes because we see something we want changed. We want to see a, a great outcome. So therefore, we see the cause. And David said, is there not a cause? That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I am motivated. That's why I have the passion. How many of you know Saul had the height, but David had the passion? Saul had the office, but David had the passion. Saul had the kingdom, he had the crown, but David had the passion. Saul is still on the sideline, but David said, I gotta get in the game because this is stirring something inside of me. There is a great cause here. And so therefore David is motivated. The next thing that we find from David is champions remember and they reflect. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, David had never fought a giant before. Evidently, nobody else had either because there's nobody in the army willing to even try it. Nobody willing to get off the sideline. No one feels the cause, the passion, the intensity. David feels it. But let me tell you what David does before he goes, when he hears all the negativity, he began to remember and reflect, and this is what it says in Scripture, he began to think about the lion and the bear. Now, I don't know about you, but let me just talk about me. I'll leave you out of the loop this morning. There's sometimes I face things and I wonder if I'm going to get through it. I wonder if I'm going to have enough. I wonder if there's going to be enough money. I wonder if there's going to be enough cloud. I wonder if there's going to be enough energy. Can I face this? And I'm sure David felt that. But then he said, I remember. Has God ever done anything for you that you remembered when he faced the next thing? God got me through this. I believe he can get me through that. God got me through that chapter. I think he'll get me through the next chapter. And David said, I remember one time when I was keeping the sheep, the bear came and the lion came. 
And God gave me strength to defeat the bear and the lion, and God's going to give me strength to defeat the champion of the Philistine. So we, we have to look at this because this is what champions do. They remember and they reflect. God has been faithful. God has done this for me in the past. So I believe he will do this for me in the future. Isn't that a great way to face your future today? Isn't that a great way to progress and move forward? It's better than, oh, I wonder if God's going to come through. How many of you know God always comes through? Maybe not the way I think, but he is a faithful God. I don't know if you remember another guy. His name is Gideon, and uh, Gideon also was an unlikely hero or champion, and uh, Gideon did not see himself in much uh, light or uh, champion or hero mode. I mean, he's totally oblivious to that. If you remember, the Midianites have ruled Israel for seven years, and these uh, people who live in Israel now, they're impoverished, they lack food, they're living lives of slaves because the Midianites have overrun them. And uh, we pick the story up and find a guy who's not mentioned in the Bible until now, Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now let me tell you what he's doing. He's hiding from the Midianites, threshing a little bit of uh, grain so he can find something to eat. And he's afraid, he's scared, he sees himself in a light that's not very good. And then the Lord comes along and says, hey, you're a great man of valor. And I think Gideon would have turned around and said, who are you talking to? Have you ever done that? Who are you talking to? You can't be talking to me. Because Gideon's response was this, and listen as I read this. Where are your miracles, God? I've heard about them, but I've never seen them. I've heard that you can do great things. I've never experienced that. I heard you could do this and this and this. Our fathers have told us. We've read about it. But God, we've never seen that. My family is the weakest in our tribe. I am the least in my father's house. In my own eyes, I'm really a nobody. And that's what he's saying. He looks at himself. He looks inwardly. He says, I don't see any of those things. But how many of you know God calls those things that are not as though they they were and are? So, so Gideon's saying, listen, I'm nobody, I, I haven't accomplished anything, but when I look at the life of Gideon, just like David, David is an unlikely hero, doesn't show up to be the hero, he becomes the hero. Gideon is an unlikely hero, he doesn't show up to be the hero. Matter of fact, he's the anti-hero, if you will. But here's the trace of Gideon. Gideon says, I have to tear down what is hindering me. And you and I have to tear down the things that hinder you. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? So once the Lord speaks to Gideon, let me tell you why they're impoverished under the rule of another nation for seven years, because they begin to worship a false god. They begin to worship Baal. And my friends, in America, if we don't turn our heart back to God, there's some writing on the wall for America. And we have to say there's some things in our life we have to tear down. And the first thing that Gideon tore down was the altars of Baal. Because you have to go to the root of the problem. How many are going to help me preach today? And everybody here, including me, I have some problems. I have some issues in my life. Anybody here ever have issues? You've said things you shouldn't have said, done things you shouldn't have done. You're into something you shouldn't be into. Come on now. 
And you have to say, okay, if I'm going to face 2022 with a little bit of victory and a champion spirit in my life, there's some things I probably need to take care of this year. I got some things I need to tear down in my life. So Gideon begins to tear down the altars of Baal. And I found that my own life, there's some things I have to tear down too. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I, I'm, I'm a big Tim Allen fan. I don't know if you like Tool Time or you like the voice of Buzz Lightyear or whoever. But I, I can tell you how Tim Allen started. Uh, he was arrested for drugs. And this is his mugshot. He had 650 grams of cocaine on him, and he spent over two years in prison. While he was in prison, a light bulb came on, and, and let me just interject this. There's a lot of people I wish the light bulb would come on because they're just doing the same old stuff, and they think they're going to get different results. And Tim Allen, while he's in prison, said, I can't continue to do this because this is not really the way I want to live. So he began a stand-up comic routine in prison. And he was pretty good. Listen, I know he has a captive audience, but if you can make prisoners laugh, I think you're doing pretty good. So when he got out of prison, he went on a different trajectory and he changed his life. And maybe for a lot of people, and maybe some here, maybe some watching, in 2022, you need to change the directory, the trajectory of your life. You need to change directions. I mean, there's some things you need to tear down, some things that are hindering you. You need to change some direction in your life so you can have a great year. Can I hear an amen? amen. Another thing that Gideon did, he had to believe God is enough even when you don't think you have enough. Have you ever said this, I feel like I'm a day late and a dollar short? Nobody's ever said that, have you? I feel like I don't have what it takes to get this done. I don't feel like I have the energy, the wisdom, the smarts, or whatever. And all of us feel that way. I mean, we get to the point where we say, can I do this? Can I get through this? Can I accomplish this? And Gideon, listen, he doesn't think he has enough, but he has to realize that God is enough. So when the Lord says, you're a mighty man of valor, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from the Midianites who cover the ground like grasshoppers. Go read the story. So Gideon gets an army up of 32,000 people. And Gideon's thinking, I don't know if i got enough to push these foreigners, this, this, this country that has impoverished us and put us into slavery, I don't know if I have enough to do this. And God says, you got too much. And Gideon's saying, come again, God. So you know the story. God takes the 32,000 and he says, Gideon, you got too many people here. Tell everybody who's afraid to go home. And let me tell you, thousands of them went home. And through a series of things that God had as a winnowing as a process to bring the army down, Gideon ends up with 300. Not 32,000, 300. He probably didn't think he had enough at 32,000. Now God says, okay, you got the right number, you got 300. So you have to believe that God is enough even when you don't think you have enough. And that's the mark of a champion. 
Now, here's the reason. God gives it to us. He said, Gideon, if you happen to be victorious with 32,000 people, let me tell you what you're going to think. We did it. But if you do it with 300 people, now you're going to know I did it. God did it. This is not your strength, Gideon. This is not your wisdom. This is not the, the strength of your army. This is my strength. I can do all things. Big, little, many or few. Gives us strength. Gives us hope. God, I don't know if I have enough. And God says, I am enough, Gideon. Don't you put your trust in your numbers. Don't put your trust in your strength. Put your trust in me. I, I want you to know that I am enough. And you're going to know that the victory's through me. In Judges chapter 8, we go past the victory, verse 18. Gideon is having a conversation with two that killed his brothers, and they don't know that they killed their brothers, so he wants to know what kind of men these were. Verse number 18, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? They answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. How many of you know how you see yourself is not always the way other people see you. How you see yourself is not always the way that God sees you. Remember Gideon? I'm the least of my father's house. My father's house is the least in the tribe. The tribe is the least in Israel. I'm a nobody. But what did you see? And this is what the people said. These were like you. They looked like sons of a king. Wow. Gideon, I see you different than you see you. Maybe you're here today and you see yourself in a way you shouldn't see yourself. Oh, I know we shouldn't think more highly than we should of ourselves. but how many of you know we can think too lowly of ourselves? How many of you know there's a good healthy balance here? We, we have to see ourselves the way that we should see ourselves. And the Bible doesn't call David a champion, neither does the Bible call Gideon a champion. But God saw them as more than a champion. The Bible calls Goliath the champion, but doesn't call David the champion, doesn't call Gideon the champion. So, so what is the view? I mean, what does God, God call you? I mean, what, what do we see here? Question, who are you? Well, the, the Bible answers that question. Romans chapter 8, great chapter. Drop down with me to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, the apparel, sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So God doesn't call you a champion. He calls you a conqueror. Matter of fact, he calls you more than a conqueror. The Greek word here is the word we get hyper. So th this is actually what Paul writes. And I think you believe like I believe the Holy Spirit moved upon Paul to write this in the New Testament. How many of you believe the Holy Spirit moved upon them to write it? So this is what the Holy Spirit is telling us. You, you are a hyper champion. You're a hyper conqueror. So look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're hyper. I mean, we, we get the concept, right? They're hyperactive. They're, they're, they're hypersensitive, whatever. And God comes along and he says, no, you're a hyper conqueror. Not a hypochondriac, but, but Okay. Move on, preacher. You're a hyper-conqueror. So you're not just a conqueror. You are what? 
more than a conqueror according to the word of God. So here's another good question. How in the world does somebody like me become more than a conqueror? Well, that's a great question. Look at your neighbor. I mean, just kind of look them over there. How in the world did they become more than a conqueror? Isn't this amazing? I mean, when you look at them, it's amazing. How in the world did people like me become more than a conqueror? Well, the Bible says, verse 31, because God is for me. Because God gave his son for me. Because he justifies me and Christ makes intercession for me. That's how I become more than a conqueror. That's how you become more than a conqueror. Because God loves us. He's for us. He gives to us. He justifies us. There's intercession made for us. So if we look at the scripture, death cannot defeat us. Angels or principalities cannot defeat us. No power, nothing seen, nothing unseen, nothing present, nothing in the future. No created thing can defeat us or separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's why you're more than a conqueror. Because God made you that. That's who you are. That, that's your identity in the spirit. So when you face this new year, you have to take on your identity. You see, some of us need to conquer some things in our life. That's why he made you a hyper conqueror, more than a conqueror. Sometimes we need uh, doubt conquered in our life. Have you ever had any doubt you need conquered? I have. Uh, sometimes we need some unforgiveness conquered in our life. Someone did something to us, maybe abused us, said something against us. I mean, Facebook is another wonderful thing, isn't it? When people put all this stuff out like they have nothing better to do in their life, and please don't be overcritical, Pastor. But anyway, there, there are doubts you have to conquer. There's unforgiveness you have to conquer. There's things that people say you have to conquer. Some of us have to conquer maybe some low self-esteem. Maybe you have self-imposed some limitations on your life that God never put on your life or even the enemy didn't put on your life. You put it on yourself and maybe you need to conquer that. But this is what I know. You're more than a conqueror to do that. You just have to decide to do it. And, and listen, it's easy not to do it because I can hang on to those things. I can hang on to unforgiveness. I can hang on to doubt. I can hang on to resentment. I can hang on to bitterness because it has become my friend. We heard it saying this morning, goodbye to these things. How many of you know you gotta conquer these things and send them on their way? Because they will not go until you tell them to go. They will make their home in your house and in your heart, and in your life, and you have to become what God calls you more than a conqueror. So, as I studied this week, I began to think about this word champion, only used in the negative, really, in the Bible, as far as the, the enemies of God, the enemy of God's people, but champions win over individuals, and champions win over other teams. But God doesn't call you a champion. God calls you a conqueror. And God calls you more than a conqueror. And, and let me tell you, if you're more than a conqueror, let me tell you what conquerors do. They subdue nations. Not just a person or a team. We're talking about something bigger. We're talking about more than a conqueror. A, a term used for someone who's conquesting nations. So how is that possible 
It's because I'm aligned with, I have inside of me the true conqueror, and that's Jesus Christ. And, and let me tell you something. According to Scripture, he is the ultimate conqueror. Let me give you just a scripture that's really given in two ways. That every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. So today in the age of grace, how many of you are glad we got grace today? Because we're all sinners, saved by grace. That's how we're saved, through faith. You're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not wise enough, you're not moral enough, you're not educated enough, you're not rich enough, you're saved by grace. And in this salvation by grace, the grace message goes out to everyone and it's every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But there will come a day, even atheists, unbelievers, the Antichrist, there will come a day, and this is the way the verse comes again, there will be a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, that day's coming. So if you're here today and say, I don't believe this, I would never bow my knee to Christ, I would never confess that he is the Lord, hang on, you'll do it. You'll do it. And you say, well, I'm not ever going to do that. There will be a day when you see him in glory, and you may be going straight to hell, I don't know, but you will still say, and hopefully you will do it before it's too late, that he is the Lord, I will bow to him, I will confess, do it before it's too late. Can I hear an amen? Why? Because he is the conquering king. He is coming with crowns on his head, his vesture dipped in blood, riding the white charger, and he's going to come down and he's going to subdue this world because he's the ultimate conqueror. And now you're a conqueror because you're aligned with him. One last verse and I'm done. And you may say you've been done a long time ago, but anyway, listen to this. This really stirred me this morning. Revelation eleven fifteen the, the seventh angel sounded and there was a loud there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Do you know the Bible says you will reign with him? So the ultimate conqueror has around him people who are more than conquerors. So I don't know what you're gonna to face tomorrow. Could be finances, could be job, could be health, could be family, marriage, kids, grandkids, I don't know what it is. Could be your addiction, could be your doubt, could be your fear, could be a thousand different things. I came here to tell you, you're, a more, you're more than a conqueror over all that. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. I about preached myself happy this morning. Because I don't know what... 2022 holds chances are this time next year if there is a next year some of us may not even be here some of us may be in glory some people may drift away but I'm here to stand on firm ground you are more than a conqueror he doesn't call you champion champions are Goliaths you're a conqueror hey Conquer trumps champion. And you're more than a conqueror. Can I hear an amen?
Amen, amen, amen. Stay with me this morning. As we get ready to leave, I, I just want to tell you how much we love you and we care for you. Would you bow your head with me right now? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.